Hang on, I'm just going to start that. <laughs> Yesterday, I was privileged to lead a retreat for the vestry of another parish in our diocese. It was a day filled with prayer, dreams, and a yearning to know where God was leading them. And it was held at a place of spiritual renewal for many in our diocese, the community of St. John Baptist, CSJB for short, our Episcopal convent here in Mendham, New Jersey. And I'm an associate of that convent, that's what this medal is around my neck, which means I pray for them, follow a spiritual rule of life, and support their life whenever possible. Perhaps you've been to this convent, and you may also remember that Sister Linda Clare came here last year on this Sunday to speak to us at our coffee hour. This is because today, across the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Church of Canada, and spreading to other parts of our Anglican Communion, we celebrate Religious Life Sunday. Some might be surprised by our having religious orders in the Episcopal Church, and you would not be alone. One sister of the Order of St. Helena, which, by the way, composed the psalms we use in the summertime, wrote, I should note, composed, didn't write the psalms, they wrote the versions of the psalms that we use. Anyway, she wrote us that several years ago, at the general convention of the Episcopal Church, I was walking around in my religious habit, and someone said to me, it's so nice you Roman Catholic sisters are here. And when I replied that I was indeed a sister, but also an Episcopalian, she answered, but you can't be. I've been an Episcopalian all my life, and we don't have them. So, she continued, we found bumper stickers that said, proud to be an Episcopalian, and we affixed them to the front and back of our habits. So yes, there really are nuns and monks in the Episcopal Church. And just some background, though, in case the only time we have ever encountered one is when we watch The Sound of Music, Cat or Sister Act on TV. Religious communities in the Episcopal Church include monastic communities whose members live together under a rule of life and vows such as poverty, chastity, and obedience, and also dispersed Christian communities whose members have jobs and live in their own homes, but who also live under religious vows. Now, some may have in their imaginations that these sisters and brothers who are part of a more traditional order sit around praying all day, chant beautifully, and wear habits. Well, all orders do pray the office multiple times a day. As for habits, some wear them, some do not. Some wear them only during services. Some orders make fudge or jam. Others do beekeeping and engage in sustainable farming. Some support the work of parishes. And others, like Sister Monica Clare of CSJB, 
can be found on her TikTok channel, LinkedIn, and once in the New York Times. And I can assure you that many engage in social justice and activism too. Don't ever get in the way of a nun who has seen a child of God harmed. The religious communities are also often places where people go, can go for spiritual direction, retreats like the one I led yesterday, meditative prayer, and more. By the way, if you've never been to the community of St. John Baptist, I urge you to go. It's in Mendham near the Black Horse Tavern, beautiful sacred grounds. And of course, most convents and monasteries offer the gift of hospitality, serving as a model to us by welcoming guests as they would Jesus. Your vestry has been to Holy Cross Monastery, an Episcopal Brotherhood in West Park, New York, on the banks of the Hudson many times over the years for spiritual nourishment and reflection on their work. We should thank God always for them, all of them. Yet there's a reason this Religious Life Sunday was approved by General Convention to be celebrated on this particular Sunday in Epiphany. And that brings us to the passages from Jonah and the Gospel of Mark. Now, taking that first passage from Jonah, it sounds like, that, that we actually heard, it sounds like God just tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and proclaims God's message for them. And he gets up and says, I'm your guy, God. I'm on it. And off he goes. But if we actually read the full story, which, by the way, isn't all that long, that isn't how this all went down. So a brief recap. Jonah's first response was, hell no. He had no interest in going to those people. He had planned a little shopping trip to Tarshish. So on a bow, he went in the direction he decided best. God was having none of it. The ship was racked by a fierce storm. The sailors figured somebody had displeased God. Jonah fesses up. They throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by a big fish. And after three days of stewing over this whole thing, he finally offers a prayer up to God, which gets him vomited up onto the beach. Then we get to the passage we heard. Kind of changed the, the meaning of it, doesn't it? And in the gospel, it was a whole different reaction to the call of Jesus for Simon, who later is called Peter, Andrew, James, and John, right? I mean, Jesus walked by, says, follow me, I'll make you fish for people, and bam, off they went to follow him. Easy peasy. Here's the thing, though. Call, if it is genuinely from God, is much more like the Jonah story than that of the disciples. You know, in fact, this is, I remember one sister at, at this convent saying about 
people called to the priesthood. It's the ones who want it that we're most afraid of. In fact, the disciples' story can make it seem so easy when it really isn't. Calm is what we have as children of God and followers of Jesus, and guess what? Every single one of us has one. Now you might be thinking, Jesus never walked by me and told me to drop everything and follow him. God never called me to some great act of prophetic witness. Or, or like some, you might think call is for those people, ordained clergy or the religious. When, well, call is sometimes for ordained or religious life. And not just for those who are young, as many find that it is later in life that God calls us. And we need to really take in that call almost Sorry, and we need to really take in that call almost never goes the way it does in our gospel reading today. Ask anyone who is ordained or religious, myself included, and they'll tell you they can relate to Jonah or Moses or Jeremiah or Isaiah. All prophets who felt unworthy or didn't want to go in that direction. In fact, it is often the thing we want to do the least that God is actually calling us into. Yet through the centuries, the church universal has been blessed by those who, despite their initial reservations or discomfort, followed their call. Ordained, religious, and lay. People like Jonah, Moses, Mary Magdalene, Peter and the other apostles, to people of our time, Dorothy Day, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Mother Teresa, and from the Episcopal Anglican Church, Louis Crew Clay, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and the Martyrs of Memphis, just to name a few. I should note that Louis Crew Clay was from the Diocese of Newark and a leading voice for inclusion, full inclusion of LGBTQ plus people in the life of the church. I was privileged to have known him, and we in our diocese are very proud of his prophetic witness. And one of those I mentioned were the martyrs of Memphis. Now, if you don't know their story, you should, especially given our recent pandemic. From one account, in August 1878, yellow fever invaded the city of Memphis, Tennessee for the third time in 10 years. In that time of panic and flight, many brave men and women, both lay and ordained, remained at their posts of duty or came as volunteers in, to assist in spite of the terrible risk. And notable among those heroes were four Episcopal sisters from the community of St. Mary in New York and two of their clergy colleagues. The sisters had come to Memphis in 1873 at Bishop Quintard's request to found a school for girls adjacent to St. Mary's Cathedral. 
When the 1878 epidemic began, George C. Harris, the cathedral dean, and Sister Constance immediately organized relief work among the stricken. Helping were six of Constance's fellow sisters of St. Mary's, Sister Claire from St. Margaret's House, Boston, Massachusetts, the Reverend Charles C. Parsons, rector of Grace and St. Lazarus Church, Memphis, and the Reverend Louis Schuyler, assistant at Holy Innocence, Hoboken, New Jersey. The cathedral group also included three physicians, two of whom were ordained Episcopal priests. The sisters, two matrons, and several volunteer nurses from New York. The cathedral buildings were located in the most infected region of Memphis. And here, amid the sweltering heat and scenes of indescribable horror, these men and women of God gave relief to the sick, comfort to the dying, and homes to the many orphaned children. Only two of the workers escaped the fever. Among those who died were Constance, Thecla, Ruth, Francis, the Reverend Charles Parsons, and the Reverend Louis Schuyler. All six are buried at the historic Elmwood Cemetery. And their saint day in our church is September 9th. I think about people like the martyrs of Memphis and so many others when people say that religions do nothing but create wars without being a religious, a nunk or a monk only means a life of prayer being shut off from the rest of the world as though as though prayer isn't powerful in and of itself. Which is one of the reasons that I love the PBS drama Call the Midwife, and that so many people watch it. Can you all watch that show? Oh, you need to. It's based on the true story of the midwives, lay and religious, of Nanata's house, working in London's East End, an impoverished part of that city, in the years following World War II. And here's the thing. The sisters in that drama, if you haven't seen it, are Anglican. They are not Roman Catholic. They're part of our church. Yet what some might miss is that the sisters are not the only ones called in that show. The other midwives are also doing amazing work too, as lay midwives. In fact, it's based on the memoir of one of them, Jennifer Worth. So call, whether as a lay person or ordained clergy or religious, has many forms. And through the centuries, the world has been blessed by those who don't hop on a proverbial boat to Tarshish, but choose to drop their nets to follow where God calls them. But here's something we all need to take note of. The ones answering calls, especially ordained and religious, are getting smaller and smaller every year. As I mentioned a few months ago in a sermon, there are many parish openings and not enough clergy to fill them. Convents and monasteries are closing in some places because there are not enough nuns or monks left to minister and support the work. Does this mean God stopped calling people to these roles? No, not at all. The thing is, call requires something of us. We need to listen. 
We need to be open to possibilities unimagined for our lives and that of others. We need to trust God. And the truth is, many stopped listening a long time ago. It's hard to hear God calling us amidst the insanity of our daily lives. To hear anyone, even God, we need to be listening, giving our full attention. And, and this is true whether our call is to ordained or religious or to lay ministry. And that's why we need to take a page from the religious and the ordained, for we are required to set aside time for conversation with God in prayer every single day. And we do it willingly and gladly. For we know by our own call struggle that we must listen for the wee small voice of God because God is always trying to tell us something. And perhaps just as important, we need to be like Jesus and recognize the gifts of others, helping them to live into their own call. I can honestly say that if you do this, if you listen, really listen for God's call in your life, if you commit to being open to wherever God needs you to go, you will never, ever regret it. And if by your willingness to prayerfully see call in others, if you are able to guide them where the Spirit is leading, they will be eternally grateful to you as well. The truth for all of us is we all have a call. One is to follow Jesus wherever he leads us. And the other is to be like Jesus and help others to do the same. So on this Religious Life Sunday, take a moment today to give thanks to those who serve Christ in religious community, those like Constance and her companions, the midwives of Nanata's house, the sisters of CSJB, or the brothers of Holy Cross. Think also about all those you know who are ordained clergy. And then take a moment to consider the people you know in your life. Are any of them called to ordained or religious life? Are you? Amen. <laughs>